decided that I cannot take more than two hits of marijuana during the show. Why did you start so early then? No, just one hit. <laughs> now you can't have another one until way later. Exactly. <laughs> I get excited that I take a third hit and then somewhere in the show I go, I forgot what I was saying. You get really pieced out, man. And then I forget what I was saying. Hi, welcome to Post-Orthodoxy. <laughs> I'm Dark Sevier. This is Ainsley Sevier. This is Post-Orthodoxy. It's a show about changing our minds. It's true. It's what? an outpost in the borderland. Here we talk about things that some people are not comfortable talking about. But we really like talking about things, even if they make us uncomfortable. Yes. I try off my... It's tradition. It's making, it's making me uncomfortable. It's not. It is tradition. It's been like several weeks straight where it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to fix the camera. All right, so we just started... We just started the show. We're live. People are like, what? And they're starting to come in. People are going to like join in the conversation. If you're looking at the screen right now, you'll see our little chat bot. Yeah, window. we made this for you. And uh, you can say stuff. You can join in on the conversation. If we say stuff that you're like, hey, I don't think that's the thing to say, then you can tell us. Or if you have something to add, constructive criticism or constructive information on the subject that we're talking about, uh, join in. Or... Uh, Propose a thing to talk about. Absolutely. And um, we don't have like an in studio guest today aside from this lady. Right. And she's not saying much today. So uh, if you want to be our guest, please join in the conversation. Yes. Um, and if you know somebody that we ought to interview, you can let us know about them too. Uh, right. We're always looking for more people to interview who are smart or interesting or edgy. Um, and not just because we have a kink for edgy things, but because, uh, I mean, like the way that I've been putting it for myself is that I think the only way that we're going to start like healing all these divides and getting along is through radical like understanding. And that means thinking about stuff that's outside your reality bubbles. Yeah, I can just go on a rant right now. Go on a rant. So uh, there was this thing called coronavirus COVID-19. You may remember it. Uh, it was a thing that happened a while ago before the, heard about it. before the Ukraine thing right. dis displaced it as a topic of discussion. I've been finding myself wondering what's coming after Ukraine. Uh, aliens. <clears throat> I don't think so because that doesn't make people as stressed. It's going it to have to be something that makes people stressed. I think if they get a good drone show and really make a scary alien encounter, yeah. that, would be, that would work. But some people would be really happy about that, you know? So some, I just think that in order, people. whatever the next thing is, it's going to have to be something that keeps people stressed out. Demons and angels. Mm. 
You had said that one of your friends is worried that they may begin capitalizing on people's various religious end times beliefs and doing hologram shows of like Jesus coming back or Krishna coming right, back right, or right. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and just like spreading widespread religious panic with um, some of the alien tech that we have that we don't tell anybody about. I think if Holog- I was holograms in the sky and stuff, if I was going to just like walk <laughs> away from the show right now and write a science fiction book, here's the book that I would write. Okay. Uh, World Economic Forum wants to do the Great Reset. This is reality. And uh, yeah, they have a website. I thought you said you were doing a science fiction book. <laughs> I am. Okay. But there is a World Economic Forum type entity in the story. Right. That through the millennia, we've been these little tribes sort of like germs moving around the planet, making stuff happen. And then suddenly, like, we can connect to each other, like internet. We all know where everybody is now. We're all we on those. We, we're doing it. Right. We're already doing it yeah. right now. So, like, if I wanted to find out if they had coffee at a Starbucks in Istanbul, I could just, like, find somebody in Istanbul and say, are they open today? And they'd say yes, right? It's, yeah. it's crazy. It's amazing. It'd be super useful if we could teleport. So this entity that would be somewhat like the World Economic Forum would like to um, establish a global management scheme to make things easy okay. for management, get rid of all that chaotic stuff of humans and nature and just control everything. And so probably one of the first things you do is have to get rid of all the individual religions and create one world faith-based belief system thing. That seems like right. th- what well, you would do. Sort of, they sort of did that with COVID where they, they, did. they created a thing that most people got on board with, you yeah. know, like 80% of most countries got the vaccine even though not 80% of most countries thought it was a good idea. So like a, like they sort of did that with COVID where they, people was, got on board with it even though they didn't quite agree with it. Right, so uh, COVID-19 comes around and then it's a big deal. It's a big story. The narrative is huge. It uh, hijacks all kinds of other narratives and uh, people have feelings and opinions about it, but not just regionally or by country. It was a global, mm-hmm. to, to degrees, a global phenomenon. So in this science book, science fiction book that I would write right now if I wasn't doing the show. Uh, it would be like, what was, what would that look like? What is the next unifying thing that people can have a feeling about and decide who the bad guys are and who the good guys are? Like COVID was really good at polarizing. Right. You either care about grandma or you're a bastard who well, wants to is, kill everybody. <clears throat> this is the, you know, this is the, the concept of the free market, right? So uh, say you're a kid that grew up doing lemonade stands and you're really entrepreneurial and you want to be your own man, your own boss, you want to be self-employed. You look around at your community and you figure out what is it that people need and how do I provide that in a way where they want to pay me for it? That's your version of the, the free market thing that you grew up with. Right. So yeah. like I live in a community where people travel for work a lot because they're traveling nurses and they have pets. And so I will set, put out flyers in my community to be a pet sitter. Okay. That's something my community needs, and right. then they will pay me for it, you know? So when the people that are running the planet, such as the World Economic Forum, the UN, right. um, the World Bank, I mean, these sorts of people who are organizing things on the planet set out to figure out what the next thing is after Ukraine. Yeah, what's the next big thing? You know, they're going to have to look at what do people need well, and how do we provide it to them? And coronavirus did a great job of that. People were feeling really anxious, and they didn't know why they were feeling anxious. And coronavirus gave them a reason for why they felt anxious. Right. They, that's the mass formation psychosis that you're talking about. Right. right? Um, and that, so that didn't happen. Right. Definitely 
scientists agree it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you are one of the three people watching this video right now, take a minute and invite some friends so that we can have a conversation with all of you all today. We haven't been advertising this much that, as much this week. I was out of town. It was St. Patty's Day week. Um, I hope you guys had a great holiday. And if you're watching in the future, um, we really appreciate you. We love we love hearing about our lurkers. We had a surprise text message after the show last week of somebody oh, yeah? that was like, um, I do always listen to your shows. They're just not at a time when I'm free to listen to right. shows, you know? And that's the problem, man. We want to have live interactive conversations with you guys. Um, and it's not always going to be possible because we live on a globe with multiple time zones. Right. Uh, have you heard that the U.S. is considering making daylight savings time always a thing? Always on. I heard, I saw some blurb about it, but I didn't look into it. So they've never allowed states to keep daylight savings time always on, but they have allowed states to choose to be exempt from it. So Hawaii and Arizona are exempt, just have the same time all year. Right. So sometimes, um, sometimes Arizona is at the same time as Montana, and sometimes Arizona is not at the same time as Montana. Um, Yes. Yes. So the U.S. is considering voting starting, I think, November 2022 mm. or 2023. I'm not sure. They're considering voting to have daylight savings time, which is this period from like spring equinox to winter, um, always be on. Uh-huh. Always jumped forward an hour and just leave there's it that. Like every year this happens, and then every year there's people like, fuck this shit. How, how can we still have this? This is the dumbest thing ever. And other people are like, here's the historical context. And they're like, that's not true. That's some other bullshit context. There's a, just a fight every year about this thing. I, yeah, I think we just don't need it. Like, that's only know. a U.S. thing, right? I think it might. I don't know. I think maybe it is a U.S. thing. It's like just I don't it's like it's like Kyle Rittenhouse. I really don't want to have an opinion about it because I really don't care. <laughs> but sometimes you sometimes okay. it becomes All right, relevant. so your sci-fi book, if you were to step away and write a sci-fi book right now, you would start with the true story in real life of the World Economic so the, Forum fomenting a great reset on the planet, whether we want them to or right. not. And to foment a great reset, you have to have uh, some point of reference that everybody has a feeling about. Right. So something that resets things. Something that resets things. And um so if you're in some belief system that is at odds with the Great Reset, it seems to me that the Great Reset would then try to find a way to undermine those belief systems mm. or co-op them somehow, make it a part of the script. That's what uh, the, so the evangelical movement, you've heard of them. Yes. Um, <laughs> in the 80s, uh, like pre-80s, they were not political people. They didn't get involved in politics. They didn't vote. They didn't. That was considered like a very gauche, even though they wouldn't use that word. That was considered a thing that was like, oh, that's just earthly stuff. We don't deal with that. Ah. That's transient, illusory. Politics, whatever. No, 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 no. no. We have to focus. Heaven. got our eye on the prize. That's right. Right? And we don't get sucked down into the stuff of the world. But then um, some really smart zealous Republican Christian type people and just Republican type people said, Hey, these people don't vote, but they're really a force of nature, man. Right. They, they really get stuff care, done. They, they really don't care. Vote. How do we get them? How do we to get them really in? So they just, <laughs> they just made the Republican party be an extension of the religious dogma. They basically just said, Hey, we are here to do God's work. 
and and you're a bastard if you don't join in on that because right. it's important. Think of the kids. Don't Think of the you, gays. Don't you want to yeah. j- vote about Jesus things? So it can be done. This massive group of devout people suddenly jumped a fence and got into politics and reformed the whole history of this country from 1980 some odd forward. Like totally redefine the narrative. Really? Yeah. Because what they did was they held out uh, the carrot on the stick of like, you know what? If you vote Republican, we're going to deal with the gays. And we're going to deal with abortion. Right. We're going to. And, and then they never did anything during. You know, they they they're there for four years and they is all the hubbub. But then four years comes around again. And you know what? We're really going to go to town on the gays the and gays this abortion and thing. And everybody goes out and votes again, right? Right. And that's that's how they redefined it. Is they got people who didn't really obviously who didn't really care about much other policy foreign policy, domestic policy, education policy, energy for. policy, to vote for people who were cynically using this mm-hmm. carrot on a stick of abortion and gays to get a certain type of person mm-hmm. into the White House yeah, and governorships and mayorships and right. all those places. So that was one so of those amazing coups. That was a coup. Like a thing politicians do where yeah. they run on a platform which is saying, I'm going to do these things, and this is what I care about, and this is the change I want to see in the world. And they can say whatever the fuck they want to get elected. This is like, it's literally a game where you can say whatever the fuck you want, and yeah. then you're elected, and then you can do whatever the fuck you want. And then don't be held accountable. If we don't hold people accountable for not doing the stuff they yeah. said they were going to do. So, so like so. a ton of people, left and right, have been saying, I'm running on this ticket, and I'm going to make these things happen, and this is the change I care about, because that gets them votes, and then they get elected, and then they sometimes actually do what they said they were going to do. Very rarely. Very they rarely. And tend- other times, they do whatever the fuck is good for their career, with no consideration for what they promised. And then other times they get bribed into doing things. Well, they usually these people that have the, the voice box to get the votes, that voice box is being paid by somebody who wants uh, some quid pro quo. Right. Yeah. That's why we got to get dark money out of politics, not the person, the concept. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're, I think, uh, I think it's. I, I feel as though we're on a fast path towards idiocracy and other oh, yeah. genres where politics has become obscene. Like this whole thing with Zelensky in Ukraine is like a laugh track posing as a real political structure, and most people don't know. And when they do find out, they don't know how to react. And and it's like that's politics on the planet all over the place. We just know with Zelensky that it's going on or we could know whereas you could know whereas we don't know exactly who's funding or propping up Joe Biden to be president uh yeah or exactly who's funding and propping up because of the super Angela Merkel to be president or whatever her role is you know like so um so speaking of the thing with Zelensky this Mm -hmm. is what we do here on post-orthodoxy is what's the thing that people are having feelings about what is something that's making people fight each other Dark's artist statement is to have a better time with more people more often. And we can't have a better time with more people more often if we're divided and hating on each other. So when something comes up that makes people start hating on each other, um, post-Orthodoxy wants to have a conversation about how do we move beyond fighting each other about stuff. And that doesn't mean turning the whole world into a wishy-washy, namby-pamby vanilla zone. Right. Um, But it does have to do with, like, cognitive sovereignty. Can we... 
hear about something that makes us emotional and then use our brains. Well, this is what this is the this is the cartoon that perennially gets used for whenever narratives are switched, which is the the Indiana Jones where he has the bag of sand oh, and yeah. then the gold thing, mm-hmm. and it's just like he has the coronavirus and the Ukraine flag, and he's got the right moment. He's got to like throw the flag in there and get rid of the right. Just as mm-hmm. Pfizer's data comes out saying that base that not basically very clearly and cleanly that they knew early on that the vaccine did little to nothing and was hurting people and was causing death and and harm to people. Yeah, they knew that. And, the and their people, documents say that. Yeah, and the people that were pushing those treatments also knew that. Everybody Not knew that. your hometown doctor knew that. But the people that your doctor gets his information and advice from knew right. that. You should probably get a doctor that gets his own information. Or a teacher's union that gets their own information instead of from their political party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people bought into the story. And sure, why wouldn't you? I mean, we want to have faith in our institutions and our neighbors and our leaders. And our, you know, we want to we want to trust that somebody knows what the hell is going on. They don't. Most, Most people don't know yeah. what's going on. And and the people that do, I think, don't care about us. Who are you? What makes you think you know what's going on? I I have a sense. I have a better sense of what's going on than people who watch MSNBC religiously or people who watch CNN religiously or people who watch Fox News religiously. If you're getting your news from those institutions, you're getting your news from organizations that are painting false narratives for corporate interest. Mm -hmm. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's a business model. So, yeah, I know better than most because I gather my information from various sources. You, you can see in the if you have the comments section, if you're listening to us on Facebook or YouTube at the moment, you can see in the comments I've uh, posted a link to my latest piece that I wrote on my Substack page. My Substack page is called Dark Notes. Woohoo. Uh, and it is a article called Servant of the People or Puppet of the Oligarchs who is a president Volodymyr Zelensky. Now, this isn't... I read part of this to a friend of mine this week. Uh Uh-oh. And um, when I began to say what the gist of the article was, she automatically assumed it was you assuming things about Ah. Zelensky. Even though I'm asking, who is he? Because the story... No, because I was like... Oh, uh, so Dark put this article together about Zelensky and how he was a TV star about a story about a teacher who became president, and then they made him president in real life. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, so he's like, he's like putting that st- like me." I don't know how she said it, but her assumption was that obviously that's a theory you have based on no. being a smart person <laughs> and knowing things about governments or whatever. And I was uh, like, "No, no, no, no!" Like we we know who paid who to do what. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a theory. And so let's talk about yeah. this, and then we're going to talk about what the fuck do we do about it. Because I think sometimes Dark and I have a habit of introducing reasonable doubt and then not closing the case. And that right. leaves people feeling really kind of exhausted. Right. So and like, we don't want to leave you feeling exhausted. I do want to give a shout-out to Green Days and Paul Meehouse. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I'll pull up your comments when we have a chance into the discussion, and we really appreciate you being here. Um, as far as... Zelensky and the Ukraine goes. Uh, I noticed early on it was instantly as polarizing as COVID. Either you're on board or you hate Ukrainian I people because, and you want to see babies die. I think that's because people like a lizard's tail. All a lot of people grew this lizard's tail um, of. 
being stressed out, caring about something. Okay. Over the last couple of years. Yeah. Or even the last six years, caring, you know, being stressed out, caring about the presidential election. Right. And then that moved into being even more stressed out, caring about COVID. Yeah. And then the Ukraine thing came along and they're like, got to have something to be stressed out that I'm caring about. And they kind of stopped talking about COVID. Yeah. Like that and was like 24 seven. And then suddenly just Ukraine. The way that I see people talking in comment sections on Facebook about Ukraine, like they are crushed. They are heartbroken. They're using yes. the biggest language, but they're like, Oh, the injustice. I can't believe I'm seeing this in my time. This is ridiculous and unheard of. Blah, blah. I'm like, guys, like people are being bombed all over the planet every day. Like, we, we are bombing people all over the, the planet. US the U.S. is bombing, is bombing people, people all over the planet All every the day. time. <laughs> Babies, grandmas, schools, Dogs churches, hospitals. that are hospitals. scared of bombs. Like. Uh, just, we're, we've been doing this for a long time, and that's the thing that, like, this is not me saying I'm pro or anti-anything. This is me saying, why is it okay that, like, we can bomb Syria or we can watch uh, Israel bomb Lebanon, or we can bomb, uh, you know, pick a country. Yeah. We can do that, and nobody's putting up the flag and the identifier around their ID on Facebook or anything. Nobody's, like, saying, you know, the poor people of Yemen. Right. I didn't see any, like, those poor people, and I didn't see any of that. Right. But we're bombing people and killing people in Yemen. We're funding and supporting the destruction of a country. There are sad dogs wandering the streets because their owners died in a building collapsed in other countries besides Ukraine. So but there's, we see yes. pictures of sad dogs sitting by their owners' dead bodies in Ukraine on Facebook. Right. So what happened like, in, in... I'm uncomfortable yeah. as a person that grew up in a cult, in a group that was very cult-like. As a person that grew up in a group that told me what to think about and how to think about it. Mm. I'm uncomfortable when I sense people giving me something I'm supposed to be thinking about and telling me how I'm supposed to think about it. I don't like that. Um, uh, uh, Stonefruit Media said 400,000 dead in Yemen since 2014 with American weapons targeting refueling fighters, bombers, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, I don't, I, I don't know where he's getting that number, but I will believe it. Paul Niehaus says, remember when the U.S. did a coup in Ukraine in 2014? Yeah, 2014, like huh? That's documented, guys. Yeah. Uh, we there's could two, know that. There's uh, two movies where you can see two different versions of that story, which I watched both of them while you were out of town. And Bastard. I want to watch them again with you. Bastard. Because there's uh, an older documentary called Winter on Fire. Okay. And that documentary is about the revolution of the people of Ukraine saying we don't want we want to go to the European Union and our bastard pre, our bastard president is not uh, doing what we want him to do so we want the president to go away. That is called Winter on Fire, and it's the revolution from 2014 from the perspective 2015. Of, it was made in 2015. The revolution was 2014, so very soon after this revolution, there's this documentary made by folks from the area, I suppose. Um, and what it says is this is what the people felt and what the people did. And it got bloody and people got killed and burned. It was, it was you know, people died and right. people came ready to die. And the narrative of that movie from the perspective of the people is we want to be European. We want to move, move forward into the world. We want to move away from the Russian style of doing stuff and do the European style of doing stuff. This is what we want. That's okay. what Ukraine was saying. That's what the documentaries portrayal of the people of the revolution were saying. Right. Netflix okay. documentary yeah. saying this is what's going on in Ukraine. And you That's can watch what they it. portrayed. You can watch that on YouTube. 
on the Netflix channel on YouTube. You can watch that. Oh, cool. So So, it's completely free. Right. And then uh, I heard about this other documentary done in 2016, which is Ukraine on Fire. And uh, the interviewer and guy narrating a lot of it is Oliver Stone. Oh, no. And he interviews. He's a liar. He interviews Vladimir Putin to get his perspective. Oh, no. Vladimir Putin is a bad guy. So we're not supposed to talk to the bad guys. That movie is a document of the geopolitical, a zoomed out geopolitical um, snapshot of what was happening in the world, what was happening in Ukraine, what forces were involved, and why the president didn't go to the uh, EU, and how the uh, U.S. State Department, they actually have a phone recording of two people from the U.S. State Department talking about how they're going to install the next leader of Ukraine. And then they did. And then there was a revolution. So the thing is, is like the people have a thing they want, very sincere, looks very, (coughs) obviously very sincere. Yeah. However, their motivations may be engineered by people who are not as sincere. Yes. Who might have other motivations and use people's enthusiasm to get what they want. Which is something that happens on the planet all the time in various different spheres. And also the U.S. installing a ruler that we prefer in other countries is also something that happens on the planet. You can read about it on Wikipedia. Right. So, uh, And everybody wants to support Ukraine, but I'd like to do the journalistic question of, like, what is Ukraine? Well, and now... What are you supporting? What? Yeah. Who are these people? Yeah. What is the government? How did it come about? It's a new country. It used to be a part of the Soviet Union. And they sort of say it's like it's on the it's the bridge between the east and the west between Europe and Russia. There's this place that people keep you know it's a transportation route between mm. places. It's um, you know they've got a lot of uh, uh, good farming land, so they're a big wheat supplier. They're like the breadbasket you know of that region there. So they have a lot of assets that is valuable to both east and huh. west, and it's a passageway between east and west, and uh, the country called Ukraine is new. There's been people who've been there for generations and generations and generations. But the nation of Ukraine uh, is sort of a new thing that came after the fall of the Soviet Union. I didn't know Ukraine was so close to Europe. Well, that's the thing. It's the bridge between. Right. It's sort of like... A bridge between. From north to south, it's like Estonia, Latvia, Belarus, Ukraine, and then the Black Sea. And on the left side of those four countries is Europe as we think about it with like Poland and France and Hungary and Italy. And then on the right side is Russia. Um, so I was doing research for my article. So I'm like, okay, what the hell is Ukraine and what's going on with Ukraine? Um, and what I liked is I, I referenced a lot of things that I found. Uh, so I have all these hyperlinks in the article, um, mm-hmm. the article that I posted on my Substack. Um, and when I was taught, I heard that uh, the Ukraine uh, had some, corruption problems in terms of it being a place where there's money laundering um foreign nations there's a reason that it's a bit of a new ukraine nation. in in the ukraine that that there are interests of like nancy pelosi's son or kid is on some one of these fishy things that hunter biden's getting paid fifty thousand dollars a month to be on an energy company's board right um mitt romney's got a kid over there like 
And Mitt Romney's one of those big corporate raiders. He's so one of those guys that made his because money. Because it's like it's a new country, so the people who are actually in power on the planet, which is people with money, kind of arranged the kind way of, that the new that the Ukraine is to be like their nice little money laundering business. It seems like that's the case. And so I'm that's like a story that could be happening. Let's talk about corruption in Ukraine. So I looked but it that, up. That, and there's a Wikipedia page called Corruption in Ukraine. But that also has nothing to do with the citizens of Ukraine who are being bombed and having their dogs and their babies killed. And there is their image that is being held up and say, care about Ukraine. Yeah. But they're showing images of the people and not really talking about what what is Ukraine. What's happening and why? How come you didn't care that there were uh, thousands of people killed in Donbass by the Ukrainian army and uh, bid to, to, to murder people? Mm. I mean, it's been a civil war going on since we staged the coup, helped back the coup. <laughs> In 2014, there's been a civil war for eight years raging in Ukraine. Right. Um, so those deaths in Donbass are not important. Only these deaths are important now. Right. And so like, I'm like, I don't think people are that dumb. No. But I think we're that reactionary where we're like, oh, a kitten. We have to save the kitten, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't we save the kitten? Where were the images of the people getting murdered by the Ukrainian army for the last eight years? I think the planet is largely made up of loving, busy people. Mm-hmm. And loving, busy people generally are reacting to whatever is in front of them, whether that's my grandma has cancer or I need a new job or my neighbor is beating his wife or my kid has downs. Like loving, busy people are generally just reacting to whatever is in front of them, right? And so this is being put in front of people as something to react to. I'm not saying people are stupid. I don't think people are stupid. I think there's a different mode that's like mostly a survival mode yeah. of loving busy people right. who aren't they don't even like they don't have the time to think about the fact that they are being spoon-fed what they're supposed to have feelings about. It's true. I'm one of those people that like I often don't dive into a story until I feel like uh it, it's become so endemic and but you like can't. everybody's mind that it has to be dealt with. Like yeah. I was that way with Trump for a long time. Like I don't want to think about Trump. Yeah. Like I don't want to think about him. I don't want to talk about him. I don't find him, frankly, that interesting of a person. Yeah. Green Day said, so wait, a country elected a TV celebrity to lead them. What? Huh. No, <laughs> let's take a moment. Let's take a moment yeah. and talk about uh, who is president Zelensky and, and what the hell happened there. Because this is one of those stories that goes beyond spoof. Like you think it's, a, it, it's, 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 um, there's a term called predictive programming. Have you ever heard that term? Um, is that similar to um, Mrs. Yardy's term, cognitive grooming? Yes. Yes, that would be a good example. Um, so predictive programming, I, I have a link to it in the article, uh, the psychology of extraordinary beliefs, ordinary students exploring or, ordinary beliefs. This is a page on uh, osu.edu, the Ohio State University. Predictive programming is theory that the government or other higher-ups are using fictional movies or books as a means of as a mass mind control tool to make the population more accepting of planned future events. Right. That's predictive programming. So let's talk about Zelensky. Zelensky is a cat who got a law degree in the Ukraine somewhere. So he's a, he's a, he's a, 
Human man. Human man with a law degree. Citizen of Ukraine. Never practiced law. Got Ended a, up. Okay. Yep. So he went to college. Went to college, got a law degree, and then started a production studio. Zelensky started a production studio. Yeah. You can read about it in my article. To be like Substack. a TV production studio? Um, you know, this is what my mom always said when I was like, I just want to be in movies. And she's like, why don't you make your own channel and film your own movies? Mare, mare. <laughs> I'm like, no, I want to be in big movies, Ma. Okay, uh, so I'll read from my article real quick, just a couple of bits. Um, after achieving a law, uh, achieving a law degree, Vladimir Oleksandrovich Zelensky uh, Ooh, pursued nice. a career. Maybe you should study Russian on Duolingo. That was pretty sexy. In comedy <laughs> and acting. Okay. Eventually creating uh, Gvartal Studio, Gvartal 95 Studio, a publicly held production company operating since 2003. According to Zelensky, the objective of the company was to, quote, make the world a better place, a kinder and more joyful place with the help of the tools that we have, which are humor and creativity. That sounds like something you might say. Sounds like something I might say. This guy comes from comedy, stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. I think if you look at our... uh, Which is a path you pursued for about 10 years in L.A. People who are um, uh, skeptical of the way that we're lauding Zelensky as a hero, some people who are skeptical of that, then go and say, yeah, he's just a comedian. And to that answer, I would say the most profound voices that I've been listening to in the last several years, are comedians. Right. Jimmy Dore, Joe Rogan, um, Russell Brand. These are all performing comedians. They go out and they do comedy shows. And their job is to break down the confusing reality into digestible packets so we can get a grip of what's going on. And humor is a great way to do that. And, and like, I find them to be more insightful than... I don't see any like college professors coming out and defining reality right now. I see TV uh, hairspray people defining reality and then um, comedians breaking it down and saying, that's kind of bullshit over there. So I'm like, okay, great. Zelensky was a comedian. He wants to make the world a better place. He's the president of a horribly corrupt country. That could, maybe this is good. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't down for like the, the knee jerk hero worship, but I did like the memes of like, OMG, things you can see from space, like um, the Strait of Gibraltar and the Great Pyramids of of Giza, the Wall of China, and Zelensky's balls. Zelensky's balls. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, like in a harsh time, people should have someone that they feel... Has some balls. That they they can look up to and be excited about, sticking it to the man. Yeah, he's a regular guy who just became president. Carry on with your story. So, um... I'll read the next paragraph. Zelensky created a political satire TV series called Servant of the People, where he stars as Vasil Petrovich uh, Goloborotko, a high school history teacher. I'm sure that's an inside joke in Russian. In his 30s, who is unexpectedly elected president of Ukraine. What? On the 31st of March, 2018, a political party named after the television series was formed, and Zelensky was elected actual president of actual Ukraine on the 21st of April, 2019, a year later. In an actual political party called Servant of the People. Right. He ran on an anti-corruption platform because his comedy was about corruption. It was about the Nazis in Ukraine. We, we've showed that clip before, right? We could maybe show that clip later on in the show. 
okay. it's a clip of Zelensky doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. Making fun of the corruption, making fun of the oligarchs, making fun of the Nazis. Yeah. I think. So if we just take this at face face value. Face face value. This yeah. sounds like a good thing. Right. A, this is what we talk about. Like we shouldn't be electing career politicians to the presidency. Let's get, some, let's get a TV star let's in there. Get some real people who actually care about shit and not just money. So it sounds sort of like a happy story, except for the part where I'm too much aware of global corruption to feel as though it happened naturally. Well, what was weird to me was the flood of Zelensky memes that came out like from every angle about how sexy this guy is. <laughs> Like it just came out like this, like <laughs> Zelensky. Like, yeah. and I'm like, and then everybody's like, "Yay, Zelensky!" And I'm like, "Who is this guy?" Like, he looks nice, and you know, he's got that servant of the people background. Okay, great. So he's a well intentioned. This is the story. Well intentioned comedian starts this uh, studio just to make entertains, the world a better place. Entertains the people. Yep. Does a spoof of the corruption about like. How somebody just speaking real stuff excites the population and he becomes president. Which is the dream of democracy. Is that Which the is the pe- dream. Is that the people's vote actually matters in the presidential election. So he does that. It doesn't in the U.S., but maybe in Ukraine it's actually more of a direct democratic vote. What? what say that again? Is the is the uh, the vote in Ukraine actually a direct democratic vote, I, unlike I, the U.S.? I, that's, that's the story. Huh. Yeah. So, so whether... There was corruption involved or not, the people of the Ukraine really thought that they wanted to elect Zelensky and did. A party manifested, people got behind it. Yeah. And they had a new president, like short order, like a year. Like, I mean, the show was like some would say predictive programming or grooming, cognitive grooming, where they're like getting used to the idea of somebody talking real could actually be president. It, yeah. it, some would say it planted the seed that it was possible to happen mm-hmm. through uh, entertainment and fictional story. Which could be good if it's being done for good reasons. So let's talk about another character, and then we'll get back to Zelensky. Paul Niehaus says, major difference between the jester archetype, criticizing the powerful, and a CIA-backed puppet actor. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> Who's backing Zelensky? How did he become president? Let's, uh, uh, Servant of the People aired on the One Plus One Media Group. The main shareholder of One Plus One is Ihor Kolomoisky. Kolomoisky is a Ukrainian-born oligarch that notoriously rose out of the fall of the Soviet Union, picking off former state-owned enterprises and developing a well-documented career as a proficient money launderer of historic proportions with extreme theatrical sensibilities. And I didn't want to redo the story that I'd heard from many other people. Uh, I have hyperlinks to these stories about Mm -hmm. Kolomoisky. Um, He's rumored to be a very theatrical gangster who who knows how to manipulate people through through like like stacking coffins outside of somebody's house when they want something to you know like they he wants something to go his way or having an actual live shark tank in his office that he feeds chum to during particular points in negotiations with people he wants to persuade that's a, a it's that's a, a James pro- Bond villain level that's a proper gangster right gangster that. proper so he owns the media group that servant of the people came on. And that's fine. You know, like Roger Ailes is like a big media guy. Doesn't mean an actor on a TV show has any connection, right? Right. It's just he, the well, powerful, owned the microphone and he just happens to have a show on the microphone. 
However, well, he cre- so Zelensky created the One One Media Group, no. right? Zelensky created a production company, and then the media group is what hosts the shows. I see, right. And the media group is primarily financially owned and influenced. The main backer by is this, this mega gangster proper oligarch. Proper gangster. Proper gangster. So, okay, that's fine. You know, rich people and gangsters own big things. That doesn't always mean that rich people are manipulating things just because they have a lot of money invested in something. Um, also, that guy that owns that company is uh, has been, and this is like, this was hard to track down. I think I had 20 tabs open at one point to try to figure out if it's true that uh, Kolomoisky was uh, also the head of Burisma Holdings Company. And what is Burisma? Burisma is the company that pays Hunter Biden $50,000 a month to be on their board. Meh. It's an energy company. So Burisma is a Ukraine energy company. Uh-huh. And Joe Biden's son is on their board. Yeah. And he's being paid to be on their board. And that was the scandal. More than most people make in a year. Right. Uh, Every that, month. Uh, yeah, apparently they, they gave the um, Zelensky's, like what he gets paid in U.S. dollars is about $930 a month as president. <sighs> Okay, so the president of Ukraine is making $930 a month. But Joe Biden's son is on the board of an energy company. Why is, that just seems like a massive conflict of interest to me. I would not personally elect someone whose child was in bed with another country's energy company. This became a political issue during Trump's campaign when he was talking to Zelensky about trying to get some dirt on Burisma. And and, Biden. And, and it was some impropriety in that phone call that led to Trump's impeachment trial. That's what Paul said. He was like, remember yeah. when Trump was impeached for asking about the Biden corruption? Correct. So let's go back to this Kolomoisky guy. So big gangster, owns a lot of stuff, right. owns Burisma, which you know Biden connected to, owns the media group, which the current president has his show broadcast on. So it turns out... Um, Let's go down. Let's go down a little bit. There was this thing, and we'll go back in time in history. This thing called the uh, the Pandora, the pa- pa- Panama Papers. So uh, we know that rich and powerful people and corporations take their money, store them in offshore accounts to avoid paying taxes. Um, so they register their business as some Cayman Islands company or a Panama company. Or this is a thing that's what, that we how know rich, pe- rich yeah. people do, including right. a lot of rich politicians. Right. So the Panama Papers were was where some some. This isn't conspiracy some of the, theory. No, no, you can look it up. A lady got killed talking about it. Uh, there was a lady who was. She talked about it and then she died. And then she died. Uh, her car exploded. Hmm. Um, it probably definitely wasn't U.S. People. It was a car bomb that. Killed it. Well, this this goes beyond U.S. Right? This is global corruption. So the Panama Papers uh, was naming people and places and money. Right. Of like this is what's going on. So I'm going to read this little article from a. Um, there's an organization online called the organize the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, or the OCCRP. That's awesome. And there's an article called Pandora Papers Reveal Offshore Holdings of Ukraine President and His Inner Circle. Is this also like a false flag? Like this is just, this organization is just out here so that we feel as though there can't be corruption because there's an organization that reports corruption? Like I said, I had 20 tabs open trying to go down the (laughs) rabbit hole to figure out, was this a daisy chain of this webpage quoting this webpage quoting this webpage that was not backed with anything or is this an actual thing? Um, 
I'm going to read this quote from the corruption, the OCC RP. Uh, it says the documents, the Panama Papers, show that Zelensky and his partners in a television production company, Kvartal 95, set up a network of offshore firms dating back to at least 2012, the year the company began making regular content for TV stations owned by uh, Ihor Kolomoisky. Okay, so this is documented corruption. Yeah. We know well, that this happened. They're investing in these, off, they're starting these offshore companies. Documented and, yeah. money movements, which may or may not mean corruption. So Ihor Kolomoisky uh, is an oligarch uh, dogged by allegations of multi-billion dollar fraud. The offshores were also used by Zelensky Associates to purchase and own three properties in the center of London. The documents also show that just before Zelensky was elected, he gifted his stake in a key offshore company, the, the British Virgin Islands registered Maltex Multicapital Corp. He gave it to his business partner, soon to be his top presidential aide. In spite of giving up his shares, the documents show that an arrangement was soon made that would allow the offshore to keep paying dividends to a company that now belonged to Zelensky's wife. That's fine. So, it's fine. the guy that ran for president uh, as a servant of the people and an anti-corruption platform. platform was being advised and financed by one of the biggest gangsters in Ukraine. Meaning a person that uses money outside the law. So and then, and now we have all kinds of gray area here. Right. Is it morally right or wrong what's going on? I don't I don't know. But it feels like the story of him being a man of the people who's going to fight corruption but has built a career off of laundering money and being in business with one of the largest notorious gangsters in Ukraine. Isn't that just like a is case? Is that just business as usual? Well, but isn't that a case of like the ends justify the means? Maybe this gangster is a gangster of the people. We've all watched plenty of movies about the gangster who's actually the one saving, the heart of gold. The, saving the town from right. the corrupt legislators and the police. Right. So I'm still out. Like, I don't know. Maybe Zelensky's the is the bee's knees. Maybe he's the best thing that Maybe ever happened. Maybe it's like a triple blind, like people think is going on with Trump, where like uh, some people think Zelensky's a straight up hero. Some people think he's a comedian fraud. And then right. some people think he's intentionally being a comedian fraud to be a straight up hero. Can we play that clip? What clip? There's that clip of him doing comedy. You shared it to your page. I did. Yeah, it's yes. a clip. And I can only assume that the translation is accurate. Because we don't know. I don't speak Ukrainian, so if anybody can tell me otherwise, um, as far as I know, this is uh, a translation, an accurate translation. Yeah, anybody speak Ukrainian? Um, this is a clip of Zelensky being a comedian. I don't know the timestamp on this. I don't know when it was made. I don't know if it was before he was president or during his like success before he became president or if it's he's doing comedy as the star of... Servant of the People TV show. I don't know how all this is working out, but it's a little clip of the guy doing comedy. And I love stand-up comedy. I think it's one of the most important tools in a society that allows people to see things from different perspectives and allows them to get um, to to have the involuntary physical movement of laughter. And that make is having that that means something has hit you. 
Like when you laugh, that means something has struck you. Yeah. And so when somebody is delivering a punchline, I love that term punchline. They're literally punching you with a reality mm. that then you physically recoil from. Mm. So that's and, why I love comedy. And it could release some fun juices that make you think about things differently. You might be able to think things differently because you've had a system jiggle. Kevy Keen's right. tuning in. She says, hilarious content and commentary. Thank you, guys. Hello, Kevy Keen. Thanks We're for We're just the trying show. to make the world a better place, okay? Okay, so <laughs> I'm just trying to make myself a better person. Well, I, I, I I've also, given up on the world. <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you'd given up right. on the world. Uh, I'm using the world as a foil to make myself a better person. Bonjour, Uncle Igor, Tante Valia, and Uncle Sasha. Oh, um, so this video is Zelensky speaking in Ukrainian, I yes. presume. Yeah. And with English subtitles and someone overdubbing it in French. Okay, so. Are we going to be okay with that? Yeah, so just read the subtitles. For, oh, 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 oh. Our podcast, our other podcast is not going to... Je tiens à vous informer que je vis bien tant que je suis... Yeah. So this is going to be for shit on our actual podcast, except for French and Ukrainian-speaking people. <laughs> or I can just... Um, yeah. It's hard to deliver the joke. Anyway... Um, I think I might just share the link for that. And people, share the link, yeah. and people can watch it themselves. People can watch it. Because he's talking about, he actually mentions Kolomoisky in there. Oh. He mentions Kolomoisky basically like looking the other way for Jewish corruption, because Kolomoisky is a, he's one of those guys that supports Israel and supports the Jewish people. He's a big advocate of, Okay. so he's a Jewish gangster. So Kolomoisky um, is supporting Jewish people and what they're doing in Palestine. Okay, that I'll get into some. Whether, hairy, I don't. I have. I didn't go down that rabbit hole very deeply. I know that he's a Jewish guy. That Kolomoisky is Jewish. Yes, and so is Zelensky. By religion or by ethnicity? I don't know. Okay, all right. That's but that's what everybody's saying. Like Zelensky can't be a Nazi because oh he's Jewish. <laughs> that comedy thing is worth looking up. Okay, and watching because I think some people will look at that, and at the end, he does a joke. He does a Nazi joke, and he talks about um, doing some, like, you know, like yoga thing where you, like, do sun salutation, but it takes the form of a Nazi salute. Right. So he does a Nazi salute at the end of the thing. As a joke As at? a joke at? That's who? the thing. Is like, well, because there's been, there's, there's, they're saying that um, Putin, Putin's story about going into the Ukraine is to deal with a Nazi problem that's happening in the Ukraine. This is the problem that's been going on in Donbass with, with Nazis killing. Putin is trying to stop Nazis. That's Putin's story. That's the sort of thing that would hurt people's brains if you tried to prove it. <laughs> well, uh, it's, there's some documents out there you can look into that would hurt your brain. Yeah. Especially about what's been going on in uh, eastern Ukraine since the, the U.S.-backed coup in 2014. So the, uh, this cat... The there's so many rabbit holes to go go down. I encourage you to read my article and click on all of the hyperlinks that I made. Some of these hyperlinks are from right wing biased sources. Some of these hyperlinks are from apparently neutral sources. Some of them are from left wing sources. 
Um, so like if you're very much like in a partisan camp and you can't listen to anything that's not your camp, you're not going to enjoy this article. Mm. Uh, but that's, you will find stuff to support yeah. your point of view in this article in the hyperlinks. But then there is also contrasting points of view that might give you some unhappy feelings. Stonefruit Media says Bill Hicks is dead. Long live Bill Hicks. Mm. Yeah, he would be fun at this, at this juncture in history. He also gave us a breakdown. Okay, good. Um, I, I really appreciate uh, Stonefruit Media and Paul Niehaus and everybody who joins in and contributes to the conversation because there's only so much research we can do in a week. So I always appreciate what uh, yeah, Stonefruit Media brings to the story. There's always more to learn, and I never have time to learn all of it. Yeah. So what's he saying? So Valerie Newland worked for Shaney Obama Biden. Her husband is Robert Kagan, uh-huh. neocon royalty, founder of Project for a New American Century. PNAC, yes. Yeah. It's a horrible acronym. PNAC. <laughs> That's a whole rabbit hole and should be okay. its own show, but okay, say it. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, her husband, Robert Kagan, godfather of the neocons, who all came flooding into the Democrats with the Lincoln Project. I don't know what the Lincoln Project yeah, is. Yeah, that's a thing. Perfect example of the bipartisan nature of America KK can geopolitics, who are making every possible perfect decision to destroy American empire and petrodollar as quickly as possible. Hunter Biden is a beard, quote-unquote, for Joe Biden in several business dealings. He holds insider influence, peddling assets for his father, emails and phone conversation notes, Document this. Panama Papers and Pandora Papers document crooks, politicians, businessmen, AmeriKKK does business with to keep them on a short chain. Never mentions American oligarchs. Imagine that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, a beard is say you're gay, but you are also a school teacher in a small town and people can't know that you're gay. So you have a girlfriend who is your fake girlfriend. So the two of you go out to movies together. You're seen out at dinner together. When you go to dinner parties with the, the parents of your students, you take your fake girlfriend with you. And the two of you are probably very close friends. And she's your beard so that people don't ask questions about why you're single for so long and spend so much time with your other friend, the math teacher, who is male. Hence why uh, Hunter Biden's getting paid $50,000 a month for an energy company in Ukraine. That he's on the board of. Yeah, yeah, on the board. Uh, Paul Neal says Lincoln Project, a.k.a. Project Pedo. Okay. Do you know what the Lincoln Project is? I, I, I can't speak to it freely on this show. I would have to, I would have to get myself a little more dialed oh, in before I would talk about it. It, it keeps coming up. Also, the lady, uh, 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 Victoria Newland, she has come into the news recently because she is the one that was being interviewed uh, in, in some congressional hearing by, I think, uh, Paul Rubio, or whatever Rubio's name is, um, about the uh, State Department or Defense Department-backed biolabs in Ukraine. The ones that they didn't have, the ones that that they did have, and that obviously the Russians are just trying to get them to be terrible people and do terrible things with the things that are being created in the biolab backed by the U.S. Defense Department, right? So anyway, she's coming on and saying, yes, we're afraid that the Russians will get those terrible things. And do bad things with and them. And do bad things with we them, unlike us. we were going to do us. good things with right. those bioweapons. She was also the lady who was recorded on a phone call with some other cat in 2014 deciding who they were going to install as president in the Ukraine. Huh. Same lady. It's fine. Yeah. 
So that's worth looking into. Um, the Lincoln Project is an American political action committee formed in late 2019 by former and incumbent Republicans. During the 2020 presidential election, its aim was to prevent the re-election of Donald Trump and defeat all Republicans in close races running for re-election in the U.S. Senate. Mm. So it's like Republicans against Republicans. Mm. And... Um, People in some camps believe that this was the bad Republicans who are pedophiles trying to stop the good Republicans who are part of things like QAnon who are trying to stop the pedophiles, trying to stop them from stopping the pedophiles by keeping Trump from being reelected. I see. Stonefruit Media says Nolan admitted there were bio labs and mainstream media still says it's Russian disinformation and that the labs don't exist. I feel really badly for my loved ones who are so woefully misinformed Mm. by their news and think that they know what's going on. It's weird that it's right out front. It's right in front of you. Like just, so the interesting thing about Ukraine on fire, the Oliver Stone um, affiliated project is that I found out about it. I'd heard about it. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, YouTube tried to take it down. So go get it. It's on Rumble now, right? So it, it became a way for Rumble to get some traffic mm-hmm. to their site and other people like, oh, wait, what, they're trying to, you know, it's that, that's the thing with censorship. If somebody tries to censorship, uh, censor you, it is often a dog whistle for people to go, what the fuck just got censored? I need to go look at I it. I don't right? like being told that I don't I, get to right. know about that thing, right. which works if you know that you're being prevented from knowing that thing. Right. Right, so uh, I, I looked at the YouTube controversy, and and it wasn't that they were like trying to suppress the. It was basically they said there's some scenes of violence, mm-hmm. and so apparently they didn't actually take it down. They just added a thing saying uh, could be some nasty war stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Be aware. The interesting thing was is that when I watched Winter on Fire, I would say arguably that there was more gore, people getting killed. People, the remains of people who got burned out in a building. It was, I think, it was more extreme than the Oliver Stone one. But the Oliver Stone got a like, you may not want to go here. It's scary. But the older, the super gory one, more gory one, in my opinion, that was the Netflix approved documentary, does not have that warning, which I thought was interesting. So it feels like putting a warning on Ukraine on fire kind of served to get it a larger audience. Oh, to get it a larger audience. Oops. Because people are like, why are they censoring this? I have to go look at it. Mm. I mean, that's part of the reason I looked at it. Interesting. See it while you still can. So what do people, what do do people do? We've reached the hour point and we spent the first hour talking about how the cake is a lie and you can't know. And if you do find out, um, it's shitty. And so what, what do we do? Like you and me personally in our lives, we know what we do. We have friends over, we go out for lunch, we play with our dogs, we watch documentaries, um, we do other recreational activities. Mm. Um, but what do other people do? When, well, when or if they find out that a massively yeah. corrupt Ukrainian gangster helped install a comedian as the president of Ukraine. That seems to be true. That's, yeah. I think that's a true story. I think one of the first things that can be done is you go to postorthodoxy.com. <laughs> we have a a way for you to support the work that we're doing. I think the way you portrayed it makes it seem a little more um, casual than what we actually do every week. We spend a lot of time. I was being flippant. Doing research for our show. No, I was being flippant because like I'm having a good time in my life. Yeah. And I, I don't, worry about what I'm going to do with my time because I know that I am on a pathway to help 
friends and loved ones, help myself improve all of our lives, keep learning and growing, and keep doing this content. And, and But I know some people who, who are like, well, I have to go to work, and I have to take care of my kids, and I have to pay my bills, and like I just need to have a news source that I can trust so I can move on with my life. All right, like, what do people do who really care about the dogs dying in Ukraine? That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling what you do right they do? now. Uh, you support us. Why? Because we're, we're doing – we're already over the hump of realizing that there's uh, extreme fuckery occurring right in front of us. We're over the hump of like, oh, my God, is that – no, we already know that part. There's some people who don't realize the depth and level of fuckery that is occurring, mm-hmm. even though you could find out. Do- However, like – and this is the whole point of how our show started is like this is about cult-like behavior. This is about a lot of psychology. If you find out, if the reality of the corruption settles in, it's a redefining of someone's entire reality if they thought there were people in charge and that Uh. their leaders cared about them and that there's an actual democracy or a democratic republic in the United States. People who think all that stuff, oh, maybe there's some corruption, right? But it's not that bad. If they find out it's that bad, it is completely um, psychically uh, troubling for people who have to readjust their entire worldview. Exhausting, time-consuming, scary. Right. And so, and and getting into that territory, this is where you get into the conspiracy theorists, right? So those are the scary people, the conspiracy theorists. They're the people that are out there just who think everything's a conspiracy. Say the people who don't think that everything is a conspiracy. Right. And this is the this is the line that has to be crossed. Of course everything is a conspiracy. If you, According to the yeah. dictionary definition of the word. Right. Conspiracies are things that people in power do in secret that is probably not for your benefit. Yeah, that's and happening. And we know that that happens all the time. So it's just a matter of like acknowledging it in a productive way. Getting What the fuck are you supposed to do with your life when you know that financial interests run the planet, your vote doesn't count in the presidential election in your country. You're being manipulated. And you're, you're, and being, you're emotionally being brainwashed manipulated. all the time. So that's the reason I wanted to write this Zelensky story is because people are being emotionally pulled into a narrative that they know nothing about. Yeah. They don't know about the history of Ukraine. They don't know about the U.S. State Department-backed coup. They don't know about the Nazis killing people for the last eight years. They don't know about the massive money laundering operation that w- that many people in our government are participating in, and that's why we have an interest in Ukraine. Mm. They don't know about why the president that was kicked out decided not to go with the EU versus decided to go maybe with a, a trade deal with Russia versus mm. the EU. They don't know why that happened. Right. But— and they also don't think they need to know. They just see because Putin bad. They just see right. images of someone's dog paralyzed in the street because he can't run away because the gunfire is so loud and scary, mm-hmm. and therefore Putin is a bad guy. And it's not. I mean, like people don't do things for no reason. People don't do things for no reason. Nobody does anything for no reason. And when you acknowledge and accept that, then you have to start asking. You have to start asking why did that person do that. That doesn't absolve them of responsibility. It does no, not, no. Like Twitter is like over like ten million people, something, something. Ukraine, sad times. Like sad <laughs> shit is happening in, yes. to citizens in Ukraine, and that needs to be taken responsibility for. Huh? But why is that stuff happening? Why? How did it? How did we get here? How did we get here? Because yeah. it it's not just like somebody woke up in the morning and decided to do something shitty for no reason. That's correct. It's not that random. 
And some would say, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the idea of predictive programming, that um, the uh, neoliberal uh, and Democrat-aligned media and politicians bang the drum for Russia, 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 because that was the only reason why Hillary lost to, to Trump. The only reason Hillary lost to Trump was, was because, because of the Russians. Russians. That was a story that mm. we heard, like Rachel Maddow, who I think is a very entertaining person and uh, is a pleasant person to watch break down stories. And I think she does some really wonderful work in some ways. However, the Russia thing was a complete journalistic nightmare because nothing ever came of it. And actually the opposite came of it. We realized that the Democratic Party had been fucking around in ways that were far more extreme than the allegations against the Russians. Right. Right. But it just was this drip, drip, drip of Russia bad, Russia bad, Russia bad, Russia bad. Which haven't they, haven't, hasn't Russia been the bad guy for like 80 years now? No, Russia was the bad guy for the Cold War. Which was like... Which is 50s, 50 years ago. 50s and 60s, 50s and 60s 70s, so 70 years 80s. Ago. Right. And so then Russia... Then 50s was 70 years ago. And then democracy won. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> democracy won. Oh. And the won. wall came down and East and West German united and the Soviet empire fell. Huh. So capitalism versus communism in the story, communism collapsed capitalism won let's bring the russians in and suddenly we had a bunch of funny russian movies in the in the 90s arnold schwarzenegger being a russian and different he's people. not russian no but they made him like a russian spy or you know like, what i'm saying is like the narrative around russia changed after the fall of okay. the wall so they're like, no longer they're okay the bad guy they're, they're fine now because we got rid of communism but the good news is they're capitalists for now. anybody that wants to use the free market of psychology to make something happen on the planet if they need a bad guy to get people reared up about something, most of the people that were traumatized by Russia in the 50s, 60s, and 70s are still alive. Their and lizard brain just, still reacts to Russia. You just turn the red scare back on Burr. again. And they did. Just turn that burner back up. So the predictive programming, uh, if this w- it was a concert to make this happen, bad, bad Russia, bad Russia, bad Russia, bad Russia. Now, when they turn up the fire in Ukraine in terms of putting these bio labs right on the Russian border, trying to get yeah. uh, 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 Ukraine into NATO, which means more missiles and arms on Russia's border. Like, as that was being cranked up, and Joe Biden himself said this, like, in 2000, I think it was 2014 or something. He's like, if we do this, if we bring in NATO and we start putting missiles on the border and we start doing this stuff, that is a sure path towards a conflict with Russia. If, Yeah. Yeah, that would be If that. we do the things that they keep saying, don't do that, Yeah, like, there will be conflict with Russia. This is not a mystery for our government officials. This is not a mystery of what's happening. It is a mystery for people who just think Zelensky is sexy and needs to support Russian um, uh, PTSD dogs. Well, he looks like one of the Avengers. He does. Already, it's really good casting. They're pitching Hawkeye to be him in the, in the movie. In the movie. Um, yeah. So, um, Deb Lynch tuned in on Twitch. She says, this is the beauty of your cast, our podcast Mm. or live cast. You provide us with avenues of inquiry. 
And that's what we're saying. Yeah. So like when you say, what can people do? I would say, please support us in doing what we're doing. We're not here to broadcast the truth to you. <laughs> we're here saying like, there's some questions that need to be asked. I've spent some time asking those questions and I've given you my sources. And what I'm asking for you is to be a part of that process. Help us find sources. Help us understand what's going on. I'm not here to say we figured it out for you. Be a person that acts differently on social media than your other friends do. Uh, $5 a month. If you just like, say, recurring uh, payment on your debit or credit card for $5 a month. Uh, If enough people did that, we could really ramp up the content and quality of our show. Oh, God, I would love to be doing more than one conversation a week with you guys on multiple subjects with more guests that we can pay and then pay somebody to edit the show afterwards and pay somebody to do our social media. Come on. So I wanted to address a comment that came up from Paul Niehaus earlier where he said it, it kind of looks like Russia, uh, Putin is the good guy in this story. He did. I, I want to. He said unpopular opinion. It's an unpopular opinion. Well, I and have I, little. And I want to I address it. Binary alarm bells going off in right. my head. So like I uh, have great regard for Paul Niehaus, love his participation in the show. I would say the binary thing of the good guy, I think they're all fucks as far as I'm concerned. If Putin's not the bad guy, then he must be the good guy is not the kind of thinking we generally get into in post-Orthodoxy. I would consider Putin a gangster. Yeah. He's a big-time gangster. Some have said that he is the richest person in the world. He just doesn't give a fuck to talk to Forbes about it and <laughs> hand him his you know, tax documents. Those who know don't talk and those who talk don't know. Right. The richest people in the world are not in Fortune Forbes. 500 magazine. Um, so I would say, I don't know if he's the good guy, but I, I don't think you have to have a good guy or a bad guy. I think you can look at the dynamics Mm -hmm. of people manipulating reality around us. I'm more focused on motivations. What is, yeah. What is his motivation? What was the U S's motivation in putting bioweapon labs in Ukraine on the Russian border? Oh, I have a possible answer to that. What is Russia's motivation in bombing them? (laughs) Right. I think the possible answer to that is why did the coronavirus come out of the lab in Wuhan when the NIH was funding that research? Why didn't they do it at the University of Carolina? Why didn't they do it at Harvard or something? Or London. Why was it in China? Why did it come out of China? Because the research that they were doing was illegal in the U.S. Yeah, Ukraine is a very malleable country as far as like what's legal and not legal. So it seems to me the reason you would have Defense Department backed biolabs in the Ukraine is to do shit that is not legal in the US right next to Russia. Seems like if I were Russia and a gangster, I would be like, bitches. Don't do that. Yeah, that's what I would be. Doesn't mean that I'm a good guy. No. Well, and also Putin, I mean, he did like here's the thing is like we we gotta get away from this. There like, are Russian bombs killing people. Yeah. Bad. That is bad. Yeah. Um, but also, Putin giving people a warning before he started bombing, good. Oh, you're just spreading Russian propaganda. Well, he did. Do you know? Yeah. For sure. That's what I'm saying. Do we know This is why it's so hard. Sure. This is why it's so hard. <laughs> so, uh, like, Stone Fruit Media has, an, uh, has shared a series of quotes with us. And okay. I think when people are wondering, Hicks. What, the heck, uh, what the heck should we do? What the heck can we do? To have a better time and help our neighbors have a better time. Well, I this, like the phrase. This quote series from Bill Hicks kind of gives me a good idea. You want to read it? I want to read it. Read it up. Read it out loud. Bill Hicks said, three weeks ago, two of my friends and I went to a ranch in Fredericksburg, Texas, and took what Terrence McKenna calls a heroic dose, five dried grams mm. of mushrooms. psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. Um, 
Let me tell you, our third eye was squeegeed quite cleanly. Wow. And I'm glad they're against the law because you know what happened when I took those mushrooms? I laid in a field of green grass for five hours going, my God, I love everything. The heavens parted. God looked down and rained gifts of forgiveness onto my being, healing me on every level, physically, psychically, emotionally. And then I realized our true nature is spiritual, not body, and that we are eternal beings and God's love is unconditional. And there's nothing we can ever do to change God's love. It's only our illusion that we are separate from God or that we're alone. In fact, the reality is that we are one with God and he loves us. Now, if that isn't a hazard to this country, Do you see my point? How are we going to keep building nuclear weapons? You know what I mean? What's going to happen to the arms industry when we realize we're all one? Mm. It's going to fuck up the economy. And the economy is fake anyway. Which which, is fake anyway. Which would be a real bummer. You know, you can see why the government's cracking down on the idea of experiencing unconditional love. I think you could also read that as an atheist and get past the God part and yeah. look at the philosophy about what is being. It doesn't have to have anything to do with any one particular I'm always thinking deity. about our hypothetical atheist that's listening the to the show. The hypothetical atheist. Um, so uh, recommend Bill Hicks. That's yeah. what, this is what we do. We like to offer up sources of information. Pathways um, that people could take depending on their comfort level to have a better time or be the sort of person that can help your neighbors have a better time. I believe Bill Hicks was sort of the mad prophet of the 90s. He was mm. the mad John the Baptist that came out and said all the stuff yeah. and then died very young. Um, so Patriotic if, cancer. If you don't know Bill Hicks, I, uh, I recommend that to be in the post-Orthodoxy lexicon of yeah. things to know. Bill Hicks... Uh, his album, you know, he's, it's all for free now. It's all online. Yeah. I'd like to take a moment and thank friend of the show, Steve Stark, for this really nice vest oh, from yeah. the Montana Coat Company that he got me last week. It's very comfortable, very fuzzy. It's like soft fuzzy. It, actually, she does a really good job, that company, with mm. um, fake furs that feel like real furs. Mm. It's too bad she went out of business before I could buy all of them. So uh, back to the question of what can people do? Yeah, what can we do? Why? Why? I, I will ask for support for what we're doing because I feel good asking for support for what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I would also say that... Uh, what do they do I, psycho-emotionally I, I when really, they find out it's all game? I like the term that perhaps you coined in a previous show, which is decentralizing the revolution. Yes, I did. We need to be talking to each other again. We need to be getting together again. We need to actually be going to clubs and sweating on each other to some good music. Mm. I think that's some good medicine. Um, We need to be in each other's presence again. We've been atomized and scared of each other and then entrained to these devices, which are divining reality for us. And I think that is a, that is something that I would say people could do. Yes. It's hard for me to say spend less time on your device and more time in the presence of other humans since I spend most of my week on uh, the device trying to create how to get humans back together again. Not everybody has the same job, my love. This is my job right now. So I would say they say knowledge is power and ignorance is bliss. And I don't... I don't I've never heard those two phrases right next to each I other. I know. Oh. I know. So knowing stuff might give you some power, but it will likely be unsettling and make you a less blissful person. Uh, but I'm not seeing a lot of bliss out there. I think a lot of people who, who have been traumatized by Trump or traumatized by COVID have now just folded into, let's do some love stuff. That Zelensky guy is pretty cute. Let's just support. Let's just share our love and support those people over there. And I don't know if that's actually going to lead to a better, safer world. 
Buckminster Fuller from Stonefruit Media. Don't reform the existing structures. Create new ones as the old ones collapse. This is a theme of the show. This is a theme of my work. You cannot fix a broken system by the mechanisms of the broken system. You're not going to vote corruption out. I thought with like Represent Us was like one of those organizations, like we start grassroots, we get rid of corruption locally, and eventually it swells up and takes care of it. But I'm finding myself having less confidence that that system of governance is relevant anymore in the form that it is and the way that we did it. Or that we would be able to rise up as the people and push corruption out of our voting system. I'm uh, more cynical than I've ever been that that's the case. I would like to support any kind of anti-corruption measures, but I'm having uh, those feelings that I don't think that that is where the effort should be spent now. What Buckminster Fuller was saying, and also uh, Chris Hedges reformed by saying, build parallel institutions. Stop trying to reform the broken things. Make them irrelevant by doing something new. And a lot of people are like, well, we don't, we're not billionaires. We don't have any money. We can't fight the corporate media. We can't deal with the oligarchs. It's like inspiration is free. Creativity is, doesn't cost you anything but time, sweat, blood, relationships. <laughs> this, is why the hippies, <laughs> this is why the hippies created zines. Yeah. Because your news media that you have access to is largely fucked. But you can go and interview people and find shit out yourself and write it down and um, drop it from an airplane and pamphlets. Mm. Like, I do feel I still am aligned with the power of creativity. Uh, the humans... And our inspiration and our intuition, these are things that I've been meditating on lately, is like I don't hear people talking about intuition very much anymore. Maybe it's the circles I'm running in or maybe it's the cynical blogs that I've been reading. But like intuition is something that humans have a capacity for. You don't necessarily, this is where we get oh, into really sorry, sticky the water. the scenes were invented by the punks. Sorry, yeah, it was the, Who'd you say it was? Hippies. Oh, the punks. But also hippies. I only experienced scenes with like some artsy hippies last year. I mean, uh, when I first moved to Butte before they all kicked me out. Right. Yeah. yeah, the punks, DIY, man. Do it yourself. They're the ones that really got nice. behind the zine stuff. Nice. Um, you, yeah, anything else? Uh, Stonefruit Media, another great quote. Yeah. The master's tools will never bring down the master's house. Mm-hmm. Andre Lord. So what can people do? Let's keep going back to that question because it's a hard one to settle into. Take care of yourself. You got to take, take care, care of yourself. yourself. Take care of your neighbors. Rat- no, but radically. A lot take of care pe- of yourself first. Like, the problems with these mass psychoses like COVID and the, and the Ukraine thing yeah. is they're jerking people around by our desire to take care of the people around us. Exactly. They're exploiting get, that. Get fucking radical and start taking care of yourself. What do you need to be a healthy powerful person in your day-to-day life with the normal shit that you have to do every day? How do you do the normal shit that you have to do in a healthy, powerful way? What can you do to change your life to be more healthy and more powerful? And you will create like a, um, a magnet of health that will draw people in to want to be more healthy also. And I'm not just talking like eating vegetables, you know? I want to share something with the audience. This is one of my favorite videos uh, by a favorite poet, Mr. John Trudell. Um, Would you mind playing the intro of this? I'm going to. It's a 14-minute piece, and I'm not going to play the whole 14 minutes. I would encourage people to look this up and listen to it for themselves. Oh. Because I'm not going to try to reinvent what John Trudell said in this. But I think (laughs) if you want to know what can be done, 
you have to know it's possible first. And when we're told that we can't do anything, we don't consider possibilities. Say that again. Uh, you say it again. No. I think it was really good. I didn't even take the second hit yet. <laughs> you better, because um, it sounds like we're wrapping up here in a little bit. Yes, I, I think before we can do anything, before we can make positive changes that benefit people around us, we have to know what is possible to be done. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, even before becoming aware of what can be done, mm -hmm. is the step where we have to become aware of we, what we didn't know we didn't know. Uh and that's the hard part. That's the people, the stuff that... that that's the work that we're doing. You yes. can support us in doing that work. Yeah. So this is a John Trudell piece. This is where he talks about... He dispels, for me, this piece dispels the myth that the big, giant oligarchs have all the control, and there's nothing we can do but bitch about it mm. or feel sad about it. Mm. All right. I love this piece. I'd like to... Uh thank all of you for coming here tonight and sharing this evening with us and tonight I'd like to talk in honor of in honor of the water and the earth and our brother Leonard Peltier we're faced with a very serious situation in this generation there are insane people who wish to rule the world they wish to continue to rule the world on violence and repression and we are all the victims of that violence and repression. We as the indigenous people of the Western Hemisphere have been resisting this violence and this oppression for 500 years. We know that the black people have been resisting it for that, at least that long. Mm. And we know that the white people have had to endure it thousands of years. And now it's come full swing to this generation that we live in. Did he just say white people have been resisting oppression? This is what made John Trudell such a radical. Is that his perspective is that we were also people of the earth. Caucasians were people of the earth at one point too. Until they got colonized. White people got colonized too. But his perspective is we got colonized so long ago. We don't remember that we, we also got colonized. We also got and then taken we get, over by someone. We get to take on the role of being the colonizer without enjoying the benefits. Hmm. The big benefits of being a human on the planet. We just... Nuclearization of the world. You see, this cannot be... We cannot allow this to continue to go on. We cannot do it. You see, we cannot expect that the pro-nuclear oppressor that other side, we cannot expect that they're going to change for us. They are going to become more brutal. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. We have to reestablish our identity. We have to understand who we are and where we fit in the natural order of the world because our oppressor deals in illusions. They tell us that it is power, but it is not power. They may have all the guns and they may have all the racist laws and judges and they may control all the money, but that is not power. These are imitations of power and they are only power because in our minds we allow it to be power. But it's all an imitation. 
racism and violence, racism and gun. I liked um, a phrase that came out of our conversation a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Evno's show, end of January. Where um, what did he say? Um, 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 uh, fiat authority. Fiat authority. Yeah. As it's in, great. it's only authority because we all agree that they have authority over us. We give it that. Which is why I think decentralizing the revolution and getting personal and getting self-centered in a healthy way is what's going to – it's going to be a wave. Mm -hmm. We're not going to throw off unhealthy authority by beating our fists against their doors, but by ceasing to acknowledge their authority. Also, I want to say real quickly before – and we're not going to do the whole 14-minute piece, but there is – I want to get to a particular point, Mm -hmm. and then we can stop it. I want to say – Supporting us, what we want to do with our website, which we have built, and the studio that we have built, is on the website we would like to set up a Discord server Mm. so that we can actually facilitate community outside of um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, these other uh, controlled platforms that decide who you get to see and who you do not get to see and and manipulating your reality. What thoughts you get to talk about. So supporting us with a $5 a month recurring donation... Uh, allows us to actually spend the time and the effort to set up the Discord Discord server so we can be having these conversations throughout the week. Yes. And constantly. And not just with us, but with other concerned people. Because we are there are we are just we are just opening up the doors for the for the place for the conversation to be had. Yeah. Yeah. And we want more people to enter into the conversation and we can't do it on Facebook and we can't do it on YouTube and we can't do it on Twitter. Uh, so we want to create a spy lounge. For folks to come in and drop down below the narrative and the fiat authority and the fiat regulations and the fiat power and start talking about what real power is mm-hmm. and how we might be able to wield it for to be having a better time with each other. Anyway, that's my little pitch for please support us. You um, might know somebody who wants to throw money at these sorts of things but doesn't necessarily have the time to join in live conversations or even right. listen to podcasts. So uh, tell them about the work that we're doing. Yeah. We appreciate that. Let's go back to John Trudell for a second. Very good. Guns, economics, the brutality of the American corporate state way of life is nothing more than violence and repression, and it has nothing to do with power. It is brutality. It is a lack of a sane, it's, it's, it's a lack of a sane balance. The people who have created this system and they perpetuate this system, they are out of balance. They have made us out of balance. They have come into our minds and they've come into our hearts and they've programmed us because we live in this society and they've put us out of balance. And because we are out of balance, we no longer have the power to deal with them. They have conquered us as a natural power. See, we are power. They deal in violence and repression. We are power. We are a part of the natural world. All of the things of the natural world are a natural part of the creation and feed off the energy of our sacred Mother Earth. We are power, but they have separated us from our spiritual connection to the earth, so people feel powerless. We look at the oppressor and we look at the enemy because they have the most guns and the most lies and the most money. People start to feel powerless. We are power. We are a natural part of the creation. We were put here on the sacred mother earth to serve a purpose. And somewhere in the history of people, we're forgetting what the purpose is. The purpose is to honor the earth. The purpose is to protect the earth. The purpose is to live in balance with the earth. The earth is our mother. And we will never free ourselves as human people. We will never feel free ourselves as sexual people. 
We will never free ourselves until we address the issue of how we live in balance with the earth. Because all of our resistance and all of our struggle is hollow, it's false, it's another one of those oppressors' hypocrisies. If we do not look out for the welfare of the earth first, because I do not care who it is, any child that turns on their mother is living in a terrible, terrible confusion. The earth is our mother. We must take care of the earth. They pollute. This oppressor, this machine, this machine that has gone mad and run amok, it is berserk. I recommend listening to that whole speech, and if you're not familiar with John Trudell, he's a person, he's a favorite poet of mine. He's somebody definitely worth Sounds like a relaxing with. thing to listen to. You know, I, uh, I got to see him speak when I was in Hawaii. He spoke at the University of Hawaii, and uh, he was talking, uh, he, he gave a talk, and then he had a Q&A, mm-hmm. so people got to ask questions. And this, I'm sure, super well-intentioned blonde white lady from Kailua um, said, can you tell us about the Native American plight on the reservation? Yeah. And he said, lady, we're all on a reservation. You don't own shit. <laughs> and you don't get to make your own choices. We're all on a reservation. It's just a matter of degree. And that was like one of those profound moments for me. Mm. Did I you don't... get to hear him live? Yeah. Wow. And he said, he said, we're all, all it's, it's an industrial revelation, uh, uh, um, reservation. Mm-hmm. It's an industrial reservation. You, you don't have say in the world anymore. So we could talk about the plight of the natives in the reservation, or we could talk about the industrial reservation that has taken the whole planet, which talking about the local reservation is distracting us from the larger reservation. Mm-hmm. Talking about the oppression of Native Americans and black people is, dis- is, is distracting from the human suppression. Well, and this is what kept getting people killed. Like JFK, That was his perspective. JF- this is not what I'm saying. This JF- was John Trudell's perspective. JFK, his brother, and Martin Luther King were all killed when they started bringing together the various people. They started talking about poverty issues instead of race issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So an Indian reservation is an area of land held and governed by a federally recognized Native American tribal nation whose government is accountable to the U.S. Bureau of Indian Affairs Mm -hmm. and not to the state government in which it is located. First one created in 1658, the Powhatan tribes in Florida. So uh, anyway, I love John Trudell. That perspective of saying, no, white people were colonized too, bitches was such a revelation for me that I would not really thought of, I never thought of it that way. When you start going back to like Celtic revivals and, and, and the idea of um, who, who did the uh, Druids and mm-hmm. these older earth-based, nature-based, nature-based, spiritual-based spiritual societies were overrun by this solar god thing that took us away from earth. Um. And so, and that was, according to Trudell and his perspective, that was a form of colonization. It was mental colonization. They just traded our connection to the earth to participate in a system that was prescribed that is looking to be unhealthy and unsustainable. Yeah, I'm just thinking about white history because, like, did the Chinese colonize people? Because they were really the first big honking established well you know stuff happened like you know japan had their story going on korea had their story going on you know there's definitely been some uh pushes of power right that have changed if we go back way on back on back on back 
the first group that got smart and rich and started oppressing other people. What was the name of the book? Uh, Germs Steal. Germs. I think it's Germs Steal. Um, Germs Steal and Guns is a really important book to look up. Uh, I can't remember what year this came out. Jared Diamond. Yep. Germs, uh, guns, germs, and steel. It basically says that uh, it was a certain technology that allowed things to happen. So whoever got that technology first got to start controlling other people. Right. And white people enslaving people in the U.S. were not the first group of humans that had a technology, ships, to go and enslave people. But it's a matter of degree of the tools. So there's a really great story that I heard uh, about uh, DeSoto, the explorer. And who was he? Was he French? No, he's Spanish. Maybe he was Spanish. Anyway, DeSoto ends up going down to, uh, he goes down, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the Incans or the Mayans. Um, But he goes down and he and 186 dudes and some guns and some horses, which they'd never seen before show up, right up to the king and say, we're taking you over. And everybody laughed. They're like, we are a king. We are like an empire. Mm -hmm. And it's 186 of you. You guys are completely, okay, you're obviously crazy people who showed up. Mm. Uh, The next day, the king was in jail and they'd taken over the empire. Yeah. People couldn't believe it could have happened. But the, the, the steel blades... And the terror of these horses that can run you over operating these vehicles of these horses mm. um, just traumatized people into submission. They didn't know what the fuck to do about it. And he took over the entire fucking kingdom. Like that. And I guess there was a, 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 a documentarian who went along with them <laughs> and interviewed the king and said, what the hell happened? Why did this happen? And he's like, we didn't think they were serious. We didn't think they could do it. Right. And I think that's the same thing that's happening right now with, if you start looking at some of the particulars of the story of the coronavirus narrative, people didn't think it was possible. That someone could that someone engineer something so big. Could shut down the global economy and tell everybody to go home and stay in their house and they would do it. Who would have thought that in 2019? Right. That the entire world would say, you know what? We'll Shut your businesses and go sit in your homes. And then they did. And then everybody would say, fuck you. There's no way that would ever happen. And it happened. Because it would be so bad if the world economy shut down. So that is technology suppressing natural power. Deb Lynch saw yeah. John Trudell in Reno in 99. Mm. And she's going to send some paper from that thing with Chef Boyd oh, nice. this week. Nice. So that'd be really cool. Thanks for that. That'll, I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, speaking of who were the first people that colonized other people. So talking Uh, from this perspective of how does one colonize, one colonizes through um, the force of a technology that overwhelms. Superior technology. Some superior technology overwhelms, right? Right. Whether um, And so Stonefruit Media says China colonized Tibet and the Eastern Tartars in the 20th century. But I'm talking like like before, before Spanish people took over Mexico and California, before... Um, Let's look at Hannibal. The Romans. Hannibal. Before the Romans. Those elephants were technology. They, they were was like, technology. They would walk in and people would go, what the fuck is that? I like, guess you owe Aliens us now. have showed up, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> 
before the church doing shit in England to the Druids, before Hannibal and the Romans doing shit, before the Greeks. The Greeks were all kind of just fighting each other. Um, and so then I have to be like, now we got to start getting into Eastern and Eastern and Eastern countries because those were the oldest ones, as far as I know, is like China and Egypt are like the oldest um, structuralized groups on the planet. Egyptian structures. So did the Egyptians colonize anyone um, other than their own people? And um, Stonefruit Media brought up something that I was speaking with my friend about in California a lot. This is a, a subject that's very near and dear to her heart right now is the Uyghurs, which is spelled okay. U... It's like U-Y-G-H-E-R-S. It's a, it's a group in China um, that is basically being... Ethnically cleansed. Uh, and religiously oppressed. Right. They're a Muslim group. Yeah. Um, and, ba- and, I mean, they were very... There, were, there was a lot of violence coming out of that group. But, again, things don't happen for no reason. No, right. But for whatever reason, the Uyghurs were being a... Um, there were some Uyghurs who were doing car bombings and suicide bombings and hijackings and things. And using that and the leverage from 9-11, China basically invaded the whole province and put like the entire people group into work camps. Mm. And now um, companies all over the planet use Uyghur labor because it's like prison labor. Mm. They Mm -hmm. they pay them shit. Mm -hmm. And... um, Apparently, and I haven't looked into this at all, but Biden put some sanctions out recently that companies that deal in the U.S. are not allowed to have benefited from Uyghur labor because mm. it's a crime against humanity. Mm. So that's a thing that's going on in the world right now. Right. But again, that's a recent that's a recent colonization. If we're talking about John Trudell's concept that white people are just as colonized, mm-hmm. um, which we don't think we are, one, because we think well of ourselves, and two, because white guilt doesn't have room for that story. Exactly. Um when did it start happening? You know, like somebody developed a technology and then started taking over so people with those technologies. This is why that's an interesting thing to keep talking about. Germs, guns, and steel is so important because germs, the germs part of that is smallpox blankets. You know, when they came, they, they didn't just wipe them out with like swords and horses and guns. They wiped them out with germs. Yep. Like their inability to handle a pathogen was like, that was a power. We had the power of immunity to a thing that they didn't. And then that was just done to all of us over the last two and years. And that was just done to all of us. So can I play another thing just for uh, shits and giggles? It? I did. It's, it, it's in the comments send of Facebook. Facebook. Um, whatever you think about Alex Jones, the guy has had a long storied career. Um, there's plenty of controversy. Uh, but I love this rant. This is not an endorsement of Alex Jones. I'm neutral on Alex Jones. He's done some amazing stuff and some other stuff that makes me scratch my head. However, this is not only just an Alex Jones rant, but some heavy metal guy playing music to it. Oh, I don't like it when they put music over it. Okay, let me do the other one then. <laughs> find Alex. I hate being. Okay, I hate- find find Alex Jones. Um, Justin Bieber rant. I really hate it because that's being done to us all the time anyway. Right, right, right. Where they play emotional music. No, well, it's it's actually it's more for comedic effect. But um, listen to uh, this rant. I think is a it's an amazing rant on the subject that we're talking about. Whether you like, if you can suspend your like or dislike of of Alex Jones and your judgments. To listen to this rant, I think is I, he's uh, Alex Jones is a modern day preacher. He gets himself worked up. 
Right. He starts off somewhere and then he gets himself worked up. And this is like a beautiful um, example of Alex Jones working himself into a sort of religious prophetic fury, which is just as a human watching performance art, I find entertaining. All right. I hope that this is the clip you want without heavy metal music playing behind so it. And I. if not, we'll go back to the heavy metal clip. Okay. Play it. When you realize how oh. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. We'll just play the heavy metal one. Okay. Play the heavy metal one. <sighs> and your children are turned into mindless vassals who, who now they, they look up to some twit instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson or, or looking up to Nikola Tesla or looking up. What? The guy doing the captions for this has, instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson, it says Jimi Hendrix. Instead of looking up to Nikola Testa, it says Brian, uh, Brian May. Right, 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 right. This is great. Okay. Instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson or, or looking up to Nikola Tesla or looking up to, uh, to Magellan. I mean, kids, Magellan's a lot kind of get there almost like that we get that we sometimes we get a little bit close to that level you know but we don't have some i just the captions for those of you that are listening oh after the God, fact so and funny. lurking you have to find alex jones on justin bieber goes metal because um the captions are great because what what alex jones is doing in that video just a tiny segue is the colonizers well, but what he's doing is he's dissing Justin Bieber by talking about all the great people out there, none of whom are musicians. Right. And this guy is like, you're almost kind of saying music is the shitty thing when we could be talking about mathematics and neoscience and the uh, moon. And so the captionist, this metal kid, goes in and and talks about like in during just um, uh, Alex Jones's words, he superimposes musical greats and their feats and accomplishments, you know, instead of going to, to contrast know, against Bieber. Exactly. Right, right, like, right, right. And little Wayne right, or whatever, right, you know, right. and these are not the opinions of no. post orthodoxy necessarily. Robert Edwards says he could listen to that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's and- a great rant. Like whatever you feel about Alex Jones, I use those uh, for the KBMF IDs a lot. I used a couple of uh, Alex Jones things because like, at the core of what he's saying, he's talking about um, the sovereignty of humans who are being fucked with by the oligarchs. That's the core of everything that he does. Yeah. Is that reclaim your sovereignty, 
Stop being a cunt mm. and a cuck to the uh, fucking oligarchs. Either one. That's that's what he just that that's everything that he does. Yeah. And in that research, he veers off into some territory that might be too far he gets a little for fired a lot up. of people. Yep. Uh, um, Stonefruit Media mentioned Sandy Hook and making the frogs gay. As making the frogs problematic gay. rants. Those were problematic rants. However, the making the frogs gay thing was a real thing. Really. He was talking about stuff in the food. It wasn't just an urban legend. Like, you know, uh, soy is making men have moobs and yeah. reducing their testosterone that and blah, true. blah, blah. And they were, they were talking about these chemicals that they use in our food and in our environment going into the environment. And it was making the frogs gay. It was turning the frogs gay, which was keeping them from procreating in the appropriate way, which is decimating the frog population. Oh, my God. That's but so funny. That wasn't just an urban legend. People, but people the way took, he was going at it. Yeah, the way he <laughs> took is turning the frogs gay. As it's, if it's it, bad to be gay. It which, can it can just make it just makes out of context. Yes. It's easy to make fun of that moment. Right. Well, and it and it may like I I believe from what I recall is that Alex Jones was saying uh, they're making the frogs gay and that's bad and sinful. Well, because I don't know. I, I don't think gay. I, I don't think so. I don't think for him it was about the gay thing. It was the fact it was about it's about procreation. Yeah, it's about being able as humans. To procreate and you know, like for people to be able to have kids and legacy and having their family right. name go down the thing. And if we stop breeding, then that hurts that. Stonefruit right. Media has recommended a couple of resources um, that I'm going to look up later, but I'll just say them for our podcast lurkers for the future. Uh, look up from 10,000 years uh, ago till now, Theocrats, Kings, Merchants. It's an infographic oh. about the rise and fall of empires, which I fucking love infographics. Yeah. And then he also said to look up forever chemicals. Right. Ah. Robert Ever said we just spent two minutes defending AJ. We did not defend him. I'm just saying, like, he, as he's an entertainer, right? Who's that other guy? Glenn Beck. So Glenn Beck was one of these guys on the news, and he was, he's, he, at the beginning of his show, he says that he's an entertainer first. This is the caveat, right? I'm just doing entertainment. So he clowns around. But he was also like Glenn Beck, Beck, whatever you think about Glenn Beck. He had one of the most cogent breakdowns of the coronavirus narrative from the lab leak to the furin cleavage site to gain of function to also what he, he actually had. And his information was not coming from him. He was sourcing information and creating a, a, a very potent narrative about the fuckery that happened around the coronavirus narrative. You don't have to like Glenn Beck to watch that and then go to his source material. Right. He's getting something out there. Right. So he calls himself an entertainer, but he was doing better journalism than any of the mainstream media were on that subject. I don't necessarily think I like Glenn Beck. I don't, maybe I would want to hang out with him. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't agree with everything that he says, but that particular story, nobody was taking all that information and putting it into one big mm -hmm. coherent story the way that he did. Right. So like, uh, yeah. I think disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Disclaimer all over the fucking place. We get news from lots and lots of different sources. I get news from people I disagree with. Yeah, because they say something I'm not hearing other people say, and then I can go and look that thing source up. It, source Whereas it, source it, source it, yeah. before I heard this person bitching about it, I didn't know that I didn't know that was happening. Right, exactly. And I don't like how Facebook's doing that to people. Mm -mm -mm. It's keeping people from 
you don't know who you're not hearing from. So yeah, I've been knocked down again another 90 days on Facebook. They just keep pushing the 90 days forward. It's starting me over. It's starting the yeah. clock again. So we I got to find some other places. That was a piece that I wanted to write, but I ended up doing the Zelensky piece mm-hmm. uh, about the fact that you don't know who has been taken out of your feed. You don't know what voices of your friends, your community, your friends group, you don't know what voices have been silenced. They don't say, by the way, we're not going to show you Dark Sevier shit anymore. Yeah. Suddenly Dark just disappears from the just dialogue. Just so you know, you're not hearing from these people. You don't get to hear that. You just don't know that you're not hearing from people. And the they might be, and, and so instead you're only hearing, you're only finding out about the world that Facebook wants you to know about right. for so, whatever reason, maybe right. to make you buy more things, maybe to make you stay on Facebook longer, maybe to make you a repeater for a certain version of a story rather than hearing from all sides of the story, whether, th- whether yeah. that's a local small town bullshit or some global thing like Ukraine. I, I think it's an unfortunate that the uh, algorithm that decides what will be censored and not censored doesn't have a sense of irony. It doesn't have a sense of satire. Um, and those are two huge critical. comedic tools, critical, very critical tools to understanding your world is being able to laugh at it a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, the things that they've been censoring before are things that are ironic and satirical often. Mm. So, um, or even history, you know, like I posted a, a quote from Goebbels about, who's uh, a bad guy about, uh, you know, uh, Nazi propagandist to, illustrate the kind of propaganda that is being used. And they're like, you're spreading German Nazi propaganda. I'm like. (laughs) We only get to hear about nice things in school anymore. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really fucked up. Mm. So sometimes, uh, you know, what the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. This is where we're at. We've lost our resources. We've lost our media sources, our news sources, our governmental and represent, you know, repre- people who are supposed to be representing us. We've lost those sources. So um, the only people that I'm sort of getting my news from now are people who have had to quit mainstream media as journalists and comedians who have become journalists because nobody will touch the sacred cows that they're touching. Mm. And that's the job of comedy is to talk about the shit that nobody wants to talk about so we can get it on the fucking table. So when the AI starts editing comedy out of your newsfeed, I think it is a toxic proposition that we don't, we're not aware of happening. And I think that's really dangerous. Give us money. <laughs> Thank you to everybody that's tuned in today. We appreciate you guys. You can go to postorthodoxy.com and there's a little thing. You just put your credit card in and say, we want to support this. And many of the people that are listening today are supporters of Post Orthodoxy. Uh, there want to is see, no URL. There is no URL for this infographic, Stonefruit Media, and I want it. Uh, also, uh, there are other ways to support joining the conversation. Thank you for everybody who's joining the conversation. We got a little award. Uh, hundred comment gave us an award for a hundred comments. Yeah, send Our us send gave this us an episode to your friends. If you have loved ones who are kind of like, I kind of feel like the Ukraine thing is bullshit, but I just can't put my finger on it. Yeah, send them this episode. Send them the episode or just send them this article because this article will take you maybe seven minutes to read. But it took you how many hours to create? <laughs> but if you read all of the source materials that I put in the hyperlinks, it's going to be hours of reading. 
how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? And some of the information information is is uh, conflicting. Like I said, some of it has a right wing bias, some of it has a left wing bias, some of it purports to be neutral. And this is your job as an informed citizen of the planet is you have to start reading between the lines a little bit. It's exhausting. So either you take it on as a thing or don't. But now you can't, you can't, like, you can say, hey, uh, the news is bullshit. I'm just going to focus on myself and my loved ones. Uh-huh. You can totally do that. That's healthy. A lot of people yeah. have done that. Yep. And a lot of people need to do that. Don't let them suck your energy towards something that you can't actually do anything about. I'm, sus- I'm suspect of people. And this is the thing that I want to be really clear about. Uh, the goal is to end the suffering of people with power exploiting people without power. And I think a lot of people that are sharing the Ukraine stuff and putting the blue and yellow on their thing have really strong feelings about seeing people suffer. And they're and caring they want, people. And they want the suffering to stop. I also want to do that. Is just changing my Facebook profile image going to do that? Is that really bringing awareness to the actual situation behind the image? Mm -hmm. Or is it um, continuing to make us feel like there's nothing we can do? So we'll just show our sort of... You will spend your energy. You will spend your energy on caring about the Ukraine and making sure that people know that you care about Ukraine until you start seeing something else that you should be caring about more. Pride Month is coming up. Oh, yeah. So put your foot down for your own energy because your energy is like your money. You can't literally send money to every cause on the planet that you know about that has issues. And if you can, then you're probably a disinformation agent causing more uh, divide. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. acknowledge acknowledge, and accept that you can't send money to every, um, every cause that's struggling on this planet. You also can't send energy to every cause that's struggling on this planet. And if you're constantly sending energy out to another cause every month or so as it shows up in your Facebook feed and you find out that you're supposed to be caring about it, you will have no energy left for yourself and you will have no energy left for your community. And we will slowly all be turned inside out into these like walking husks of humans that have nothing left in our actual selves and our actual lives to do anything actually here. Mm-hmm. We're just all sending our caring out and getting exhausted and drained. Mm. I really appreciate everybody's participation in the show, either financially or energetically. Yes. We really appreciate all the people that listen to the show after the fact. We always love to have people joining in the conversation, but we uh, recognize your cognitive capital and your social capital. And we appreciate all of those. And we appreciate your financial capital as well. So I don't know if we ever came to a thing of who is Zelensky. I find the whole story troubling, and I'm not willing to throw, I'm not willing to jump on, look at that sexy bitch train, because I, I still I feel like I know less about it now than I did when I started. Well, we know it's a lot more complicated it's than we thought it was. way more complicated. So thank you so much to everybody that uh, joined in with us today. This has been an excellent afternoon of conversation. Yes. We have some very interesting guests lined up that we're going to start nailing down. Uh-huh. We're, we're just also sort of in the middle of trying to buy our house, which is taking a lot of our time and energy this month. And um, that will come to a head here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And we'll have more energy and time to devote to the show. Your financial support or the financial support of friends that you know that like to give money to things like this will help us spend more time on this show rather than all, you know, like all of our time on other things first. 
So I do want to read. We we have a guy uh, that we talked about last week called the ethical uh, uh, an entity. Uh, they called the ethical skeptic, who I really liked their sort of breakdown of uh, mis, dis, and malinformation mm. and how it works and propaganda. I thought was brilliant. So just briefly before the show, I sent this entity a. Uh, an email and said, hey, we would love to have you on the show to talk about these things. And his response was, I have to find it now. Um, where's the larger thing? He said, uh, since your podcast does not involve politics or controversial subjects, <laughs> which could come, uh, which could cause my employees harm for my hobby or my hobby, I may consider doing an episode oh boy so i immediately was crestfallen like we all we do is controversial controversial in politics because because division harms us division harms us no well well, it's like so we're still in negotiations with him yeah like so i don't know if he means that we can never be controversial to talk about politics ever anywhere in the history of our show because somebody might say that your association with these bastards and he shared a a Nazi propagandist meme. Mm. Or if he's saying in the context of the show that I'm talking about, if we can keep it chill Mm -hmm. and just talk about the architecture of, and the semantics around miss dis and malinformation Mm -hmm. and propaganda. So I'm still hoping to have the ethical skeptic. If you want to know who this guy is, if you actually give a shit about cognitive liberty, you can find the ethical skeptic.com or you can find him on, you just type in the ethical skeptic. Even better than cognitive liberty is cognitive sovereignty. You're not just free to use your own mind as you see fit, but you have the power over your own mind as you see fit. Running it right up to the top of the second hour. Thank you, everybody, for participating in the show. We have some exciting guests coming up. Stay tuned for all that. Tell your friends. It makes a big difference for us, and it's free. It's so free, and it makes a difference. Look out for podcast episodes coming soon on postorthodoxy.podbean.com. Thank you for visiting our Outpost in the Borderlands. Post-Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing, interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post-Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. If you take value from the work we are doing and the community we are building together, you can support the Outpost in the Borderlands for as little as $5 a month on our website, BetterTime. That's betterti.me. Visit the Sevier Studios page and subscribe. You can also support The Outpost by following and connecting with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and or Substack. Our post-Orthodoxy theme music was composed by Frank Pascal, and a special thanks goes to our voice actors, Amelia, Colin, Zbo, Rosie, Gabo, Vicky, Mokai, and Tony. Thanks for playing. (laughs) What's outside your reality bubble? I think I dribbled a bit, that last one.